Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When we were trying to get Young Black Equestrians, the podcast, off the ground, we had so many questions like, how do you record an episode? And how do you get the podcast distributed out to everyone so that they can listen? How do you even make money from podcasting? We found out that you could do that. Uh, that was something that I did not know could happen. Well, the answer to all of those questions I found on Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it is 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. I love using Anchor. It's super easy to upload your podcast. It's very user-friendly, has a user-friendly interface, and you can even make money by doing sponsorships. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start. That's anchor.fm slash start. And join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. You are listening to Young Black Equestrians, the podcast with your hosts, Abriana Johnson and Caitlin Gooch. So we're starting off every episode talking about what we are thankful for you want to share kind of something today in particular or kind of overall that you are thankful for? Uh, um, I am thankful for my family. Mm-hmm. Because without them, I couldn't do anything. <laughs> There'd be no same culture farm. There'd be no me. So I really want to thank my family. That's awesome. Caitlin? I am thankful um, yesterday. I was able to ride with a group of friends, and that was a lot of fun. Um, I was out there with Abriana and some of our friends, and I haven't rode my horse in a while, so I'm thankful that I was able to do that yesterday. Yeah, that was a good time. That was a good time. I am thankful for, I would say, family as well. We just had a death in the family, like I just found out, so... I know that it's going to be a little bit difficult for us for the next few weeks, but knowing the family that I have, it is going to be, um, you know, we're all going to work through it together. So I'm thankful for my family as well. So come on, start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and like your upbringing and how Sankofa Farms became what it is today. All right, all right. So Sankofa Farms, Farm is just one that's built on like resiliency and the focus is around helping the black community. But when I was uh, when I was in undergraduate well, I was pursuing an undergraduate degree at O'Connor A and T, my major was science. And I was sitting in class and I was thinking like how can I really get back to the black community? And I really didn't come up with a with the answer with my degree being focused and um, on animal science and Moon's lab animal science and being a veterinarian. So 
I got the idea to go to my advisor and, and express to him that I wanted to pursue a degree that was more so centered around farming because I think everything is centered around agriculture and it's traced back in some form of fashion. And I wanted to really be able to impact our people on a larger scale. And of course I got, um, I got pushed back and negative feedback on the journey just from like people um, around me or my advisor. But when I, when I started teaching in public school and I saw how the students who weren't offered a way out could be given a choice, that's what gave me the idea to put the academy around St. Couple Farms. So St. Couple Farms is going to be in some capacity or, or not. Well, in some capacity, whether the students are there or not. But to make it sustainable and to play into our mission, we have to incorporate the next generation of thinkers because if we don't, that doesn't, that's not going to ensure that the idea is going to be here in the future. So incorporating right. them has really taken St. Cobra to the next level and really has has made it very, very unique. And now that we're starting to get the infrastructure to Sankofa, I'm actually able now to, to really teach the students because the first three years were just us just trying to get by from year to year. Mm-hmm. That's all it's been. And now that we're starting to get uh, recognition, which is cool, and the recognition bring more, it brings more resources to us. So now that we're at that point, we're able to incorporate more resources. Sankofa is actually able to grow and facilitate the programs that we um, that we set out to. Yeah, congratulations on um, your Kickstarter success. Um, oh, thank you, thank you. If people don't know, um, there was a Kickstarter out, I guess, getting you guys a van so that you could transport kids to and from the farm. Um, how uh, do you do you target kids in Durham Public Schools? Because I know that's where you work, or are you going closer to Eflin? Uh, no, I, I work in Durham Public Schools. Uh, this, this June was my last uh, year teaching, so I'll be full-time at State, and well, actually, now, so we started reporting back, but the, we don't target students in Eflin. I live in Durham, mm-hmm. so my connection and my roots are here in Durham, so we just work with students here in Durham, and we bust them out, or not bust them out. <laughs> Some people may say you got to bust out of Durham, but I think it's getting a little yeah. bit better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all my students are, are from Durham. Okay. We we'll live in Durham. So <clears throat> when exactly did Sankofa Farms, like, start? Like, when did you acquire the land? Was this, a, like, in your family? How did you pick the location? Uh-huh. So I think a lot of people who look at the stories probably think, like, the land was in the family. It's, it wasn't. Um, I had to go through the USDA Farm Service Agency. Farm Service Agency, and they were really, uh, they had a lot of, uh, I guess, say roadblocks in the way. Mm-hmm. So we ended up acquiring the farm in, two, in March of 2016, and that's when St. Farms, that's when we got the farm. But St. Farms started when I was talking to one of my close friends, Devin McAllister, about having a name that would unite people of the, uh, diaspora worldwide mm-hmm. and Sankofa came to mind so I had a class in college that was African history up to 1800 and we watched the movie Sankofa and I was like All right, well, I think it would be a great name so really it's more so like a declaration of 
of our African descent and saying like, y'all look, pay attention. We can build institutions from the ground up. We just have to support them. So the we started out doing dehydrated chips, and I do it now every now and then, but it just takes so much time that it's hard to fit into my schedule. But that's when Sankoma Farms started, like was comprised in 2015, mm-hmm. and we got the farm in 2016. The name originally for Sankofa started out as Unity Farms, mm-hmm. and that was just a, like a decoration bring unity, but somebody had registered the name already in North Carolina, so I couldn't use it. I only could use it in, in Guilford County. Right. So once that once that happened, I found out I was able, we, we decided to change the name to Sankofa, and we've been running with it ever since. Okay. Wow, that is awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, when you when you uh, acquire the farm, you know, go through the USDA. Do you have to be like um, producing something, like like having some kind of product go to market? Is that kind of what the requirement is to have that connection well, through the USDA? To go through them, you have to have three years of agricultural experience. And the way they weighed it is pretty bad. So, like, they, if I went to college for literally five years, five and a half years, for my master's and my undergraduate degree, all centered around agriculture, it took all that experience and, and culminated to one year. Then what? they'll take your business experience. Yeah, it's crazy. They'll take your business experience, and then that'll be one year. And then you have to have managerial experience on the farm. And then that was, they took all four years of that and made it one year. So they didn't do it because the time ran concurrently. They did it because they were trying to make the process more difficult for me to acquire land. But this is what they didn't know. I had a friend that was in the USDA that was able to help me with the process. Mm -hmm. So when they tried all their roadblocks and tricks, we were able to go ahead and be a step ahead. Mm-hmm. because we knew that was coming. Mm-hmm. So that's what allowed us to be able to to acquire the farmers, just having the foresight of what they were already going to do. So mm-hmm. the, the way they weigh the experience is odd. It's, it's actually, it actually makes it more difficult for black people to get into farming because you could work with your granddad who might have a farm. You can work with him your whole life, but then they will go through and have, provide stipulations on why that experience doesn't count. count or yeah. Count. So it's up to your discretion. But once we got the farm in Orange County, that office has been very, very helpful. Like the FSA office in Orange County is really, really helpful. Mm-hmm. They weren't like the one I had to deal with to acquire the farm because it was two different offices, but the Orange County USDA has been very supportive. Mm-hmm. Well, that's awesome. Um, they've been supportive. Um, it, it, yeah, it's, it's cool, but it's still... If they weren't supportive, this thing could be looking, it could look completely different. So I'm just, we're just fortunate to be at that, to have that uh, office. It's just amazing to me how even in, you know, way before we were born, black farmers had those same issues. And clearly those issues aren't dissolving and they're still here. Yeah. But at least, you know, Farmers like you who are paving the way, so, excuse me, so other, well, upcoming farmers can know, you know, what to do and how to get around those things and hopefully network so we can have more people that are on the inside and who know what to do in those situations. 
Yeah, yeah. So like the, the students are that. So I'm able to get them the experience of what I went through, so they don't have to go through it anymore. Yeah. So when it's time for get for them to get their farms, we'll put we'll have different measures in place where they can go ahead and get there and have to go through a medium or middle party, and hopefully we can do it where they can put a large cash down payment on it. So they they will have a different experience than I did. And then their kids and kids after them would be able to just buy it outright. So I'm looking at it as I went through a certain medium, then the students do, and then now my two sons coming up, they'll be able to take it further than both groups. Right. Because I'm 28, the students are the oldest students are 16, and then my my young sons are five and two. So there's about a 12 year difference between each group. Mm-hmm. So as each group comes through. Everybody should have a better, they, they should have a, a, a smoother process. And if they don't, that means I didn't do my job at the top. So that puts like constant pressure on me to make sure that I'm doing the right thing and leading them the right way. Right, right. Yeah, set them up for success. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I have to. Nobody else is going to do it. I know that there are honeybees on your farm. What else is on your farm? So right now we have honeybees. I literally caught a swarm yesterday. So we went from 14 hives back up to 15. <laughs> so how do, I, I don't understand what that means. How do you catch a swarm of bees? So uh, that's a great question. So yesterday I uh, went out to the farm. And there's a tree in our apiary. So our apiary is a place you keep bees. During times of the honey flow. So you know when you like out of fall, going into oh, out of winter, going into spring, you'll start to see flowers blooming? Yes. That signifies that that plants are producing nectar and pollen. And during this time, the bees pick it up, and they're saying, okay, we can expand our hive because we have resources. Mm-hmm. Once that happens, if they're expanding their hive with the resources in the environment and they run out of space, they'll take their queen, and our queen will hatch out. So two different scenarios, but the easiest one is a queen will, will that they made it through the winter with, will start laying eggs at an excessive rate when they come out of winter, going mm-hmm. into spring. Once they run out of space, the bees will pick up on it and say, hey, queen, you need to stop laying. We're going to run you around so you can lose weight, and we have to leave this spot. And the 60% of the bees plus that queen will go fly out in nature. So when they leave that space, I will get a call, or I'll see it, and then I'll go catch the bees and then relocate them on the farm, and then they'll restart a hive. So... Since the honey flow just came back on, they there's one from like April to early June. Then there's another one from like August around now till like the end of September, the shorter honey flow. And the bees will start swarming again because they feel like they have enough resources to, to survive. So then I'll, like literally yesterday, I went out to the farm and there's a tree in our apiary and there was a, a swarm, it wasn't our bees, from somewhere else, and they're attracted to other areas that there are bees. And I was literally in the middle of a swarm yesterday, and I had to wait till the bees congregated because after they leave their location, they'll congregate somewhere like on a tire or like a hole in a tree or like an open space, like in a house, so they can build out the hive. And then they'll call somebody crazy like me to go get the bees. So then I capture them and relocate them to San Cofo Farms. That's pretty cool. I've seen that. I've seen like um different kind of infographics going around social media 
Like, if you see this, don't, like, spray them with gas. You know, just call uh-huh. your local wildlife person and they can actually, like, re- relocate the whole mass, you know, on the side of houses yeah. or, you know, in trees and tree houses, things like that. Um, so that's, that is pretty neat. That's pretty neat. I don't know, like, like be disease kind of spectrum, but are you concerned like with other bees coming in that are not, you know, quote unquote, your bees, that there's going to be any kind of issue? Do you have any livestock or plan on having any livestock? We try that. We actually start out with livestock. So my undergraduate is animal industry. Mm-hmm. So animals come a whole lot quicker to me. Like livestock, I don't like bees. It, it clicks to me because I'm used to it. Then the plants, are like I have like a learning curve with them, and we're starting to kind of get in the groove with the plants. Mm-hmm. But the we had guinea fowl at one point, quail, ducks, and that was something that went well, but since I don't live on the farm and have to commute, it wasn't the best setup for us to go with going forward. So that's why we kind of switched to the bees and also the the uh, the uh, the uh, crops. So I did start out. We started out doing um, livestock at the beginning. Interesting. It can be difficult if you have to commute and feed. <laughs> See those animals that they're good, like twice a day. That can become a lot, especially in the winter when. Oh, we didn't in the past, only because we uh, we didn't have the infrastructure to raise crops all year round. Now we do, so we're gonna be going to the farm all year round now. Right. But the the animals were a little bit more demanding, and I had to go out there and check on them with the snow, like stuff like that. Yeah. So that presented an issue. But now, since we have California tunnels, we can raise food all year round with the cover. Essentially, we'll be able to get more things done. Right, right. So, is as there, go ahead. Is there a technical term for the suit that you wear around the bees and that you have the kids wear as well? Yes, that we use um, bee suits. Are uh, veils typically, but we make sure that we're covered at all times, so we don't keep getting stung. Do um, does your so did y'all have to purchase those, or is there like a grant or a scholarship that you can apply for to obtain them? The suits. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, their crop signs donate all the suits. And like any push that we have with the equipment, they probably donated it as well. They used to have a office here in the area, and they had to uh, move. So they donated. They, they knew our mission, and they've really helped us with acquiring the uh, materials to be key. And we also have got a grant from the uh, 
community uh, fruit fund or community fruit guys in California for uh, beehives. And then there's a group at NC State, Pi Alpha Zai, that um, helps us out a lot with uh, funding for our educational programs. Yeah, on that on that line, um, so is Sankofa Farms considered like a business or a nonprofit? Sankofa Farms is a business, an LLC. Okay. So we play with that model of like a nonprofit, but after looking at other agricultural programs around the nation, that model like for for youth didn't seem to work. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to take that part, but we do have a nonprofit which is called Sankofa Saves, that supports STEM programs. Mm-hmm. And we, um, so people want to like donate, we take donations through Sankofa Saves. But the whole nonprofit route with the academy, I didn't think long-term it would be a viable um, a viable solution. I think it would, we were running into some problems with it. Right, right. Well, that's pretty cool. So how i saw on your website that you have a couple of team members how did you go about selecting these people you know did you know them from before and they were like hey you know i want to help you with this mission how did you guys develop as a team so um devin is the one who i was talking about the name change with Mm -hmm. um and he's a historian he has his master's in africana studies so we connect really well and we also rebuild the Black History Club at North Carolina A&T when we were there. So me and him have a history of working together and building programs and building organization, uh, building a organization. Mm-hmm. So that was just like a like a no-brainer. Like when we started to cope, he's been there. I talk to him every day. Look, I think I've talked to Devin every day for the last five years. <laughs> wow. So we're, we're that close. And um, Mark is, is someone who I met a little bit later. But he... He, he um, handles the financials for Sankofa Farm. Mm-hmm. He handles the, uh, all the financials, and that's his background. So he makes sure you know, we don't spend all the money <laughs> and make sure that things are uh, and we're on budget and on par. Yeah. And so do these people also have other jobs? Uh, right now they do. They do. Yeah. And we're just trying to get Sankofa to a point where it's full time for everybody. But with me being, getting ready to work on my doctorate and other things going on, I probably won't be for the next couple of years. Yeah. What are you um, pursuing your doctorate for? Um, I'll be at State in the BA Extension Education. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. I um, graduated from State with my animal science degree. So that's, oh, cool, cool. that's kind of my... My neck of the woods. Uh-huh. But, yeah, the the ag programs over there are insanely cool. They're, they have so many resources. It's ridiculous. And that, that's perfect for us. Mm-hmm. That's perfect. We, need, we still, we're starting, we're literally starting over. So, that's something that um we definitely, I think, will be able to benefit from. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So the other people that work with you, is their background pretty much in agriculture? Or did they have that interest beforehand? Uh, they just have an interest in helping the black community. That's their interest. Okay. So no, no matter what, agriculture or whatever, they all, we, we all connect on those, on that platform. That's awesome. That's awesome. 
So, you know, the the main reason I wanted to talk to you today is because Caitlin and I do have a vision to kind of produce a space for kids that, you know, don't have the experiences with horses that some other kids have, you know, because it is kind of a, or it is stereotypically thought to be an elitist sport when, uh-huh. when truly it is not. So we are, you know, together through different projects, just sharing with other people like, Hey, you know, black people have horses. There's actually quite a lot of them mm-hmm. <laughs> and you don't, I, I think, I think. yeah, I mean, <laughs> you just don't, you don't see them in the show ring necessarily, but about 300 of us just met up in the woods and went riding for like five hours. <laughs> so, you know, it's, you know, we're, we're just, you know, have that ultimate vision of acquiring some sort of space to facilitate that educational journey for, for kids that don't mm-hmm. get it, mm-hmm. especially in our area. We're in the Zebulon area, Zebulon Wendell area. Um, so, you know, there's plenty of land out here, but this, our proximity to Raleigh, you know, people are starting to move out and out and out and, you know, the, the price of land is going up. So do you have any advice for aspiring landowners, um, aspiring kind of youth program owners for kind of the future for for making this a loop i mean it doesn't even really have to be lucrative because we don't get paid for what we do now you know but um just getting that started and keeping it going yeah i think that's a great question that's a question that i don't get often about just like tips to give other people on like acquiring land and i think that would be like the focal point of the conversation a lot of times or at least the question because we got pushed off the land the mm-hmm. best thing I would do is look around and, like, because you can look at the patterns and see where everybody's going. Mm-hmm. I would just look at the areas where people aren't going. Mm-hmm. And the main is still cheap there. Like, Cedar Grove, North Carolina is one of those places. Mm-hmm. There's, like, Prospect Hill, Caswell County, like, all those areas, they're places where people aren't buying, well, people aren't coming in buying land. The land is still relatively cheap. And I would just make sure that it's, like, 35 minutes away from a from a major city and as long as you're within that distance you can get land and then you can work with people in urban areas right it's not like it's not it is it, it looks a lot harder than what it is but Carolina farm credit offers um you that 15 percent and depending on how much land you i would start small mm-hmm. and then i would move to a larger space so i wouldn't jump and I think that's something that we did. We jumped and got a lot of, well, 12 acres of land at the beginning. And if we would have just maybe got like four or five and worked our way up, we could have went from four or five to 25. But now we'll go from like 12. We'll, I mean, we'll still get, we'll, it'll still be a large jump, but it just takes a lot more to put into this space than, than what I knew at the beginning. But now that it's starting to catch up with us and we're starting to get out, but it, it work, it's working out. But just at the beginning, that transition could have been a little bit easier. So I would just look at saving my money because I had I saved a lot of money before we bought the farm, and that's the part that uh, people never ask. I had a whole lot of money saved. So 
the capital was there. But for people who don't have the capital, I would look for land. You're going to have to have some thick quiet land. But I would just look around in areas that are a little bit more untraditional to purchase land. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. Sounds good. Thank you all. Of course. You have a good one. Thank you for listening to Young Black Equestrians, the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for updates. Listen, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. See you next time.